Let's bring in Bob Iacchino, the founder of the Chief Strategy of Path Trading Partners. He's joining us this morning. Bob, I want to begin with the U.S. dollar because we've seen it uh, coming off that uh, upper level that we saw earlier this fall, up around 114.75, uh, just recently taking out the September lows, but it does seem like follow-through so far kind of limited. What are you watching in terms of the greenback and this decline? Well, good morning, Ben. I'm, I'm looking more at what the other central banks are saying. We okay. know what the Fed is likely to do. We know they're going to at least kind of step back the aggressive nature of rate hikes. I mentioned this to you last time I talked to you, Ben. It's always funny to me when we look at the current status of Jerome Powell and his rhetoric as being dovish when we just had basically 400 basis points of rate hikes in about a year. That's a strange thing to come off of while continuing rate hikes and be called dovish. That's always interesting to me. But when you look at it from that perspective, are we going to see aggressive rhetoric out of the Bank, uh, bank of Canada today, uh, Bank of England, ECB, mm -hmm. even going over to Australia and New Zealand and what they've been doing? What we've seen overall is dollar strength because the U.S. economy has been stronger and the Fed's been more aggressive at the same time. So when you look at that, you take the two sort of tenets of currency trading. One is that when you buy a currency, you're buying a share in that country's economy. And two, you're working on rate differentials. Both of those have been in the U.S. favor. Now, when you look at it from that perspective, have we lost the rate, rate differential rate in the future? And maybe that's why we've come off on the dollar, but we certainly haven't lost the economic strength. While the U.S. data is weakening, there's still a couple of patches of strength that people are having a hard time adjusting to. Uh, employment, obviously, wages, another one. So when you look at the dollar, you still have to look at this little particular move down on the dollar that you have on the screen right now as sort of a bear market, I'm sorry, a bull market correction rather than a new emerging bear market. It's definitely held up and is holding up despite being in that short-term downtrend. You know, let, let's talk a little bit about that rate differential because it, it sounds to me like you're hinting along the lines that we're going to see a bit more aggressive action from, uh, uh, well, for example, the EU, uh, the ECB, and uh, in their efforts. I mean, inflation is really yet to come off there. We're seeing hopefully a peak here and now uh, starting to uh, come off those upper levels. But uh, the last readings uh, out of the EU still showed that inflation was uh, untamed. I mean, up above 10 percent year over year on the CPI. Yes, yeah, still double-digit rate of change in both the EU and the UK. And then you look also at some of the data out of Germany, which I'll call a proxy for the EU manufacturing economy, and it's been weaker than the manufacturing data in the U.S. We had Germany's construction PMI yesterday at 41. I think it was 41.5. So where's that, that just, where's that put the but, ECB then in terms of uh, their efforts to combat inflation but yet not uh, drive the economy into a recession? I mean, they have to raise. We see that. Yeah, it puts them in a really bad spot. And one of the things that the EU can do that the U.S. has done but has a hard time doing in a sustained way is sort of helping the consumer make it through these tougher times, mm. you know, whether it be through direct checks to consumers or subsidies to different businesses. So I think likely in the very short term, the ECB and even the U.K. are going to stay more aggressive than the U.S. Fed if the Fed is actually stepping back, which I think they are. Uh, my call has always been for 50 in uh, December and maybe another 25 next year, maybe not, and then a hold. The difference, I think, is going to be, and we saw that in the U.K. as they helped that sort of short-term pension fund crisis uh, with that sort of yield curve control, that the EU and the U.K., but more so the EU, is likely to get off of the brakes a lot quicker 
than the U.S. Fed. And I think that's when we get the next leg up for the U.S. dollar. Have the ECB be more aggressive and then have them back off quicker than the Fed does. And that's probably more uh, a Q2 2023 story. Bob, how about Japan? Because uh, we could talk about the EU, we could talk about the British pound, the uh, uh, Bank of England ultimately, and we will get some information from them uh, next week. But uh, uh, the BOJ has been uh, kind of firm in terms of where they stand and inflation for what we've seen as far as the figures, not necessarily uh, as a, in big of an issue uh, in Japan in terms of what we've been dealing with here in the U.S. and, and to your, our point a minute ago, the EU. Uh, but the yen's firmed up as well. What are you seeing in terms of the rate differential there? Well, more and more, I've seen people that have said that the Bank of Japan is never going to do anything and get off this policy have started to bend a little bit. So you might see that policy change ever so slightly. The problem with the Bank of Japan is I don't know how they get off of yield curve control a little at a time. Mm -hmm. Maybe they widen the band that they allow mm -hmm. uh, the GGBs to trade in. Maybe they eliminate it altogether, but they intervene in the currency markets. They're in the worst possible position because, as you mentioned, their inflation is also decades high but it's barely above two percent yeah so and it's likely peaked in terms of rate of change and again i always when we talk about inflation ben i always want to bring up to everybody so that everyone is aware is that the peaking of inflation does not mean that inflation is going down yeah. last last week on the pce we saw month over month pce up it was up less than expected and less than last month but it was still up prices are still rising they're just rising at a more contained pace if somebody I don't want to say held a gun to my head. That doesn't seem nice. If somebody forced me to make a prediction on the Fed, I would say it's much more likely that the Fed changes their inflation target than it is that they get to 2% inflation and then start to ease or get anywhere near 2% inflation and then start to ease. My guess is they change their inflation target. They use the pers persistent wage growth we've seen over the last, let's call it 12 to 18 months. They use that persistent wage growth as the reason and they hold rates, but they l raise their inflation targets, maybe three and a half or 4% in the short term. Along those lines, Bob, I just want to uh, take note of the fact that we did at the bottom of the hour have the unit labor costs. We had non-farm productivity unit labor costs, again, uh, not as high as expected. They were looking for 3.1% and below prior levels of 35 but they still inched up to 2.4% increase in non-farm productivity, also increased by more than expected, more than prior levels of 0.3. We got 0.8. They were looking for 0.6. Bob, what are you watching as far as that 10-2 uh, uh, spread? There's been a lot of focus on that. The uh, uh, inversion there and uh, ultimately uh, the indication that uh, uh, that's showing that we're going to see a recession. We're talking still 70, what is it, 70, 80 basis points still, right? Yeah, it was 83 yesterday okay. at, its, at its widest. I think it settled at about 82 on the close yesterday in that inversion. By the way, we have the same number, the same uh, basis point inversion on the twos, thirties. Uh, which people haven't talked about much, but basically the entire yield curve, no matter what section of it you look at it, is inverted. And in the research we've done, we have not really been able to find a solid relationship between the length or depth of a recession and the depth of the inversion. So maybe that changes when we're so exaggerated, basically at about a 40-year uh, high, I should say low because it's negative, 40-year mm -hmm. mm -hmm. low on that interest rate inversion. When you look at it from that perspective, you almost have to say that the probability of recession continues to increase as it goes deeper and as it stays there. You just can't have rates be like this and not at least have a mild recession. Yeah. So to me, the recession probability goes up to about 99.8%, and I'm just making that number up. I don't have data on that, but it's just highly unlikely that we avoid a recession at this point, given that 
the private payrolls numbers look a lot worse than the public non-farm payrolls data does. And I think that the twos, tens inversion and the depth of this help us decide which one of those two is wrong. Bob, uh, definitely, uh, you know, kind of ties back to discussions we had months ago about uh, when the yield curve first inverted, about how long will it stay inverted for and uh, to what magnitude, to what extent. I don't think any of us predicted this. So uh, lots to keep an eye on here, Bob. We always appreciate you joining us and uh, sharing your thoughts with us. Bob Iacino, the founder, Chief Strategist of Path Trading Partners.